Welcome back to the Commission Podcast. In this episode, we'll hear again from Andy Mason, pastor at St. John's Chelsea, on the topic of adoption in the city. With roughly 80,000 children in care, and 10,000 of those being in London, Andy engages with the wonderful, challenging, life-changing reality of adoption. This message is not only for those prospective and actual adopters, but also for those who are supporting friends and family, considering or already in the process of adoption. Enjoy. Well, um, it's, uh, it's great to have you. Great to have you. Uh, my name's Andy. I, I work as pastor on the um, World's End Estate in, uh, in central London, in Chelsea. And it's uh, my privilege to, um, to lead a seminar on adoption. I just wondered whether you could just turn to the person ne- next to you and kind of tell them why you're here. Okay. I guess um, uh, my, my guess is that, that we're here for, for kind of different reasons. Um, maybe some people are thinking about the possibility of adopting themselves uh, in the future, um, however remote or distant that might feel. Some people might have adopted uh, children, and, and some people might know people who've adopted children. You kind of just want to know how you can support them. Um, so what we're going to what we're going to do is give a little bit of an overview of adoption, and uh, by by the very nature of the seminar, it's going to be a bit superficial at a number of points because this is all we have. But we can chat afterwards. I'm very happy to chat more with people. I'll be I'll, I'll be around um, afterwards, and we can we can chat about some of, some of the details. And so so what I, what I want to do with you now is I want to inspire you about adoption, and I want to give you realism about adoption, okay? So you know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to inspire you, and I'm trying to give you a bit of uh, realism. And, 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 and I need to say that in this tent, there is wisdom, okay? There is wisdom in this tent. There'll be people here who are parents, who are adoptive parents, who have lots of, lots of wisdom. And I would, I would um, encourage you to get hold of that wisdom. If you know people here who have experience in these areas, chat with them and engage with them. And I don't see myself as the fount of all wisdom on this. Um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to share here and trying to stimulate a discussion and get us thinking a, 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 um, a little bit uh, about adoption. So what I want to do, I want to look at two things. I want to look at why adoption is great, and I want to look at why it's hard, and then I want to give you a bit of hope. Okay? Why it's great, why it's hard, and give you a little bit of, uh, and give you a, a little bit of hope. So just to say my, my own situation, I'm married to Katrina. We've been married since 1998. And I know you're thinking, goodness me, he's not that old. But actually, I, <laughs> I, I'm actually older than I, than I look. And um, um, I've, got, uh, I've got two wonderful kids, Ori and Pella. They're in trailblazers. Um, Pella is six and Ori is seven. And I just warn you now, sometimes, and I've got experiences a number of times, when I talk about my kids, I cry a little bit. And I just, just apologize in advance, because I am English. Uh, I haven't fallen apart. I'm having a nervous breakdown. I just get a little bit emotional sometimes. So if I do have a few little tears, don't worry about it. Uh, it's, all, it's, all, it's all going to plan. Um, now, uh, these, these, um, uh, the kids that we have, they came out of a very difficult situation. And, uh, and they've been with us for about three and a half years. So this is their second revive. So with us, after about six months with us, they came to revive. And now they're with us, um, been with us three and a half years. And uh, they have got a lot of struggles, but they're doing very well. I'm very proud of them, and I love them very much. Um, yeah, that's enough about my family. Um, what do we mean by adoption? What do we mean by adoption? Well, it's a legal process whereby kids who aren't yours biologically legally become yours. OK? 
Okay, so there's no ifs or buts about there's le once you adopt once you're adopted, you're as legally much you 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 uh, you belong as much legally to your parents as you do as if as if they gave gave birth to you. Um, the kids who are adopted in the UK are generally from from the care system. You can adopt internationally, but the kids are normally from the care system. Um, last year, there were about 80,000 kids in care in the UK, about 10,000 in London. Um, about some of those kids are in care homes, but about 70% of them are in foster care of some kind. So. That's a, that's a general kind of, uh, just a picture of, of adoption. We'll get into some of the details. So, and, and first of all, what, what I want to do is think about why adoption is great, why it's great. Now, of course, um, being a parent, um, having a family, enjoying kids, these are all wonderful gifts, wonderful blessings, great things. And we could talk a lot about that. But, but we're, we're Christians here, and so um, I don't want to simply talk about that. What I want to do is I want to, on lift our vision and look at look at, at adoption biblically and spiritually, to ground it in some big theology. Okay, and I and I want us to see the spiritual power of adoption, why it's so significant. I want to see its wonder, its greatness, and its glory. And I want to give you a number of biblical reasons, not so not just personal reasons or emotional reasons, but biblical reasons why it is worth engaging with this in, in whatever way you think is appropriate. Um, it's good, and I think just going through this, I find this is good for my own soul. It's good for people who are thinking about adoption. It's actually really good for those of us who have adopted, because we need to be reminded, don't we? We need constantly to be reminded and cemented uh, in this. So I'm going to take us through some reasons why it is great to be adopted. Before I do that, I'm going to pray and ask for God's Spirit to be at work here as we look at these things. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all these people gathered here today. And their hearts are open. They're here, they're wanting to know about this amazing uh, privilege of adopting children. And we, we pray, Father, that your spirit would be speaking into the details of our lives. You know each situation, each person, their history. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would apply this seminar in whatever way you think is right into people's lives. Give us big hearts today, we pray. Amen. Amen. Firstly, then, adoption is great because it's, it's an echo of an eternal plan. It's an echo of an eternal plan. In our lives here and now, adoption is an alternative. It's an alternative to, to um, biological parenting. It is not the norm. But in the kingdom of God, it's the other way around. In the kingdom of God, all the children are adopted apart from one. Apart from Jesus, all of us are adopted. And in fact, adoption is the only way. It's the only way to get into the kingdom. is the only way you can be saved. In other words, that adoption which we experience as believers has always been the plan. It's always been God's plan. John chapter 1, verse 12, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Salvation can theologically be described as adoption. Jim Packer says adoption is basically what salvation is all about. Because it, salvation is, is all about being a child of God. God the Father is, therefore, an adoptive father. And his heaven is a home to millions and millions of adopted children. Now, just think about that. Is that not amazing? Is that not amazing? Our Father makes people who were once lost who were far off his children. And therefore, it means that our human adoption is an echo of an eternal plan. It's an echo of what God has been doing through time and space 
from all eternity. It's a sign pointing to something endlessly big. This, this, this thing we call adoption is actually an echo of something cosmic and eternal. It's part of an eternal plan. Second thing, it's true worship. It's true worship. James 1.26. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. The God of the Bible is a God of justice, a God of righteousness. Now, God's justice and righteousness is not, simp- is not the simple impartiality of a judge in a court, but he is like an advocate who defends and promotes works of justice. And God has a special interest in the vulnerable and the weak and the marginalized. The Bible describes him as the father of the fatherless, as the protector of, all, of orphans and widows. And as his people, we are to be like our God. We are to be living out his justice. Now, imagine you were going to write that first bit of James 1. True religion is, what would you answer? Looking after orphans and widows in their distress? No, 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 that, that isn't what a sound conservative evangelical writes. But it is what the inspired word of God says. Conversely, to neglect the vulnerable and the weak and the marginalized is actually biblically a sign of unrighteousness and false religion. Now, I've got to say, I found this an incredible encouragement on my difficult days. When the, when the struggles are there, I remind myself, this is a ministry, this is worship to the living God. This is, what, this is true religion, Andy. This is true religion. Adoption is worship. It is true religion. It is living faith. Thirdly, it is ultimate hospitality. It is ultimate hospitality. Hebrews 13.2. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I remember some um, wonderful godly friends. You know who you are. You're all locked up during the pandemic because your adoptive son has some medical complications. And for a long time, you had to massively restrict your contact with people. It was all very, it was very hard. It was deeply frustrating, deeply frustrating because this, this family I'm talking about wanted to care for people. They are so hospitable. But funnily enough, the reason they had to limit their kindness and their hospitality to other people was precisely because they had shown hospitality and kindness to their adopted son. Their hospitality to him had changed their lives. And that is a reminder that adoption is ultimate hospitality. It is ultimate hospitality. See, having someone come into your home for an afternoon, a few nights, or for a season can be challenging. But this is about opening up your life for quite a long time. You, you are bringing someone into your world to be with you forever. And it may not always feel, according to Hebrews 13, too, like an angel's moved into your home. <laughs> but is this not a wonderful act of welcome? A wonderful act of welcome. That person who comes into your home brings with them all that they are, all that they've experienced, all the good things that they bring with them, all the difficult things and they take them with, with them into your world. And you help them to carry all of those things. And that is a very big deal. Your world is never the same. It is an ultimate act of hospitality. Fourthly, it's a ministry of healing. Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Kids from adopted backgrounds have a whole, ra- whole variety of different experiences. They look different because the risk factors that they experience are different. But let me say this. Let me say this. There is a reason why kids are in care. 
So if you're thinking about adopting, you have to reckon with that seriously. They will carry with them all that they are, and much can be broken. The hurt and the wounds can be very deep. The trauma can be very real. In the, um, in the adoption world, in the, uh, the, the, the big kind of phrase that's bounded around this is, is this idea of therapeutic parenting. Um, and there's lots that's very useful, some less useful, but lots that's useful. But the word therapeutic actually comes from the Greek word therapevel, which means to heal. And in this sense, you see, we do want to be those kinds of parents. We want to, as believers, we want to give our kids therapeutic parenting. We are healers, and we help them to carry their burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're following the ministry of our Savior, echoing what he has done for us on the cross, the one who came to heal all our diseases and carry our shame. We help them to do that. We help them to carry their diseases and carry their shame. We enter into a wonderful partnership with them. A wonderful partnership with them. We say, we say to our kids, do you know what? You don't have to do this by yourself. We will do it with you. And adoptive parenting is an incredible ministry of slow healing and transformative care. You are handling the fine china of someone else's life. And often that fine china has been blown to smithereens. And you're trying to clue it back together with the help of God. It is very challenging, but, but, but boy, is that not an incredible ministry. Fifthly, it's gospel opportunity. Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, if there's anything you get to do as believing parents with adopted kids, it is to share the Lord, to share the gospel. We get to raise them in the knowledge of Jesus. Sometimes I look at my kids and I am amazed. Like three and a half years ago when they arrived, they they knew nothing of Jesus. They didn't know what God was. They had no idea. You know, we started shutting our eyes and talking into space, and they had no idea what we were doing. A few weeks back, my seven-year-old son spontaneously drew a diagram explaining the Trinity. He knows the Lord's Prayer off by heart. And I don't, you know, it's not because I'm some amazing kind of catechist of my kids and, uh, and teach them brilliantly. But what a remarkable privilege to share the good news with them. Now, if, same with biological kids. You don't control their responses. You don't, you don't control whether they have faith. But, ultimate, but adoption is the ultimate act of friendship evangelism, isn't it? If you want to you know, get to know someone, build a relationship with them so that you can share the gospel, you want to do that, do adoption. So there we are. There's a list. I hope that you see in that some of the wonder and the greatness of adoption. Now, I've invited Alwyn to come up, and he's going to give us three minutes of just his experience as an adoptive dad of the great things about adoption. I must give you that emotional caveat also. Um, hi, I'm Alvin Swales. Um, I'm the adoptive father of two boys of now eight and a half years. Um, we adopted them uh, when they were five months old and 18 months old. Um, Andy asked me to talk about the, what's great about adoption. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with the points he's raised so far. And my first point in the page is knowing that in spite of my sin and my background, God reached out and adopted me into his family is, is what's great about adoption. And I, and I can tell you that from the bottom of my heart. Um, the second thing I tell you that's great about adoption is I know we're talking here about children, but let me give you my adoptive story. My wife and I arrived in the UK 16 and a half years ago. And no family, no friends. And we walked into Dundonald Church on the 30th of December, and we met this amazing family. They're actually sitting in the room here. 
and they became our friends, and, and they saw that we had no children at that time. And they said, come and be a part of our family. And in a real way, they invited us into their family, and they adopted us. And they're one of our closest friends, or our closest friends in the UK. Um, they know who they are. They're sitting in the audience. Um, but, but they modeled that for us. They, they showed us what that was. And they went on to adopt two kids that became our godchildren. And they modeled that also. They said, you don't have children yet. Why don't you, why don't you spend time with ours? Why don't you, to, why don't you invest into their lives? And, and that, that's, what, that's what got us on the route of adoption. That's what started us to think about, wow, this is amazing. I, 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 you know, we've grown to love our godchildren in a way that we never thought was possible, um, even though they're not our biological children. So that's the second thing that's amazing about adoption. It's not just for adults, not just for children, it's for adults. Um, there were people that cared for us and modeled what that looked like. But we need to get on to the kids. So <clears throat> three joys about adoption. I hope I've not taken too long. Okay. Good. Um, the first joy I want to talk about is I've seen that how modeling God's love for me in front of my boys, um, how that has continued to transform them and change their lives. They have such zeal for who God is, it's unbelievable. Um, to think that they have given their hearts to the Lord and, and that they have a real joy in knowing Him as Lord and Savior, something that would have never been afforded to them, maybe had they not come into our home at this early age. And that zeal is born out in, in their friends. You know, when they go to school, they talk openly, you know, for many years now, even from about five and six, they were telling their friends, I'm a Christian, do you believe in God, and so on. But as we've come to tell them their, their story, um, as we've come to talk to them about the fact that we are not their biological parents, and as they've come to understand that, when we started to break that news, what was so amazing was hearing them, the first statement they made was, Daddy, are my birth parents Christians? Do they know the Lord? Can, can we pray for them? I, I can't tell you what joy I felt for my kids that they would say that. That is so special. When your kids have a real desire to see even their biological parents come to know Christ. Um, that's a joy I can't describe to you. Um, to see them grow, the second joy. Um, my youngest son, um, when he came to us, Complicated circumstances, just as Andy described. Um, he hated touch. Um, you know, he was not the, the boy that wanted to be to be held, to be loved. That was very awkward, and so on. And I remember saying to Patricia at the time, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna break through here. We, we're gonna make this, we're gonna make this happen with him, right?" And every night when he went to bed, I've got this special routine I do, do with him, and I've done it since he came into our house, and I even do it now that he's nine years old today. Where I, when I lean over into his bed, I kiss him, I cuddle him, I give him a tight hug. We call it the tight hug routine, right? And, and it's amazing how over just being so persistent about that, God has given him a heart now to, to, to do that so naturally with me. He comes up to me, he hugs me, he comes up to people that are strangers sometimes, and if he, if he shakes your hand and if you meet him one day, he will gently put his arms around him, around you, sorry. And, and it's so amazing to see how, how through modeling love for him, he's, he's been able to model that now for, for other people um, and, and be open about that. My eldest son, when, when, when he came into our family, um, a joy for him was he was diagnosed with low muscle tone at birth. Um, complicated stuff, but what it essentially means is you develop muscle, muscularly much slower than other children. Um, 
it was a great joy to see him take his first steps just over two years old. I think he was two and a half years old when he walked for the first time. We, we never thought that would ever happen. Um, he's running out there. My wife is at the back running in and out. Um, but now, nine years on, you know, he plays football and he dribbles circles around the boys his age. And I sit there and I, as a dad, I'm, I'm so proud. Well, other parents are cheering their kids on for, for they scored a goal and so on. I'm standing there thinking to myself, wow, my boy has footwork, man. That's amazing. <laughs> I still have so many fears. He tries things out that, as a parent, I'm so afraid of that he's going to hurt himself because what if he doesn't grab on and what if he doesn't do this and doesn't do that? Um, the last one to talk about is, and it's on your sheets there in the second page, is um, both of my boys have special needs. My, my eldest son is autistic and um, my youngest son struggles with ADHD, ADHD and, and that has presented a number of challenges along our journey. Um, but to see how, how God has, has enabled us and them to grow through this has just, just been amazing. Um, for my eldest son, he's in his fourth year of, of playing the piano. And um, he's done two virtual concert performances through, through, through COVID. And I've had to do recordings of that and send that in. But his teachers have been so impressed with him. You know, low muscle tone, autistic child, able to do these recordings. And when I did the second recording last year to send into his school, he was so proud because it, didn't, it only took us two takes to get the whole piece played out, whereas in the first recording it took us a little bit more. And to see him grow and to feel so proud of himself that he can achieve these things even because of all what he has, that, that's amazing. My younger son, um, what's interesting about him is, and a, a last joy, and I'll, I'll keep quiet after this, Andy, I, pr I promise to, um, is that we had his um, year review call with his teacher this week, and um, and we we've noticed that that you know he just pops out with the most amazing phrases, words, and so on, um, words that we've never taught him. Like, wow, oh, where did that come from? Where did that come from? And his teacher told us an interesting story about the fact that he's in year five, but he's falling in love with the Theosaurus. And at school, what he does is when asked to write, you know sentences and so on, he doesn't want to use the simple words, you know, and he wants to learn all the hard words. And you think to yourself, my word, you know, the fact that in his own struggle, he's, he's able to even engage with something as complex as that at, at a, as a nine-year-old and, and shock us from time to time. In summary, our, our journey has definitely been filled with, with a number of disappointments in having children, right? Um, our story is more complex and we can, you can come and talk to Patricia and I afterwards if you want to. But um, we are constantly reminded about the joy that God planned in our lives when we, look, when we look at our children. And that joy is still being revealed. Our journey with them is not finished. Um, times have been difficult. We'll get onto that in a second. But let me tell you that those difficult times are completely forgotten in the shadow of the joys that we experience. We have so much to be thankful to God for in Him adopting us. Um, just to think this amazing thing as we look at our kids that... God planned for us, for them, before we were born, before they were born, that we would be a family. And if you don't see joy in that, I'm not sure what else to say to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So there you see it. If, if it doesn't do anything else, adoption will make grown men cry quite often. So watch out for that, guys. Now, let's think about why adoption's hard. Oh, adoption's hard. 
Well, the danger, the danger with adoption, I think, is um, sentimentality. Um, TV programs, pictures of little kids, a news story, and your heart goes gooey. And you, and you, and particularly for if you've got, if you're a bit of a of a rescuer, you think, oh, great, you know, let's just go. It'd be so it's just great. Just hug them, and everything will be okay. Um, don't believe it. Don't believe it. Any parenting is hard. Any parenting is hard. But adoption is parenting with a hardness volume turned up. Romans 8 tells us that we live in a broken world, a fallen world, a world of groaning. Romans 8.22, we know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And adoption is a big old dive into that world. Um, it's important to see, I think, that adoptive parenting is different to other kinds of parenting. And I'll give you a little diagram on your handout three different some biological parenting uh, uh, additional needs parenting and adoptive parenting and of course they overlap of course they overlap there's lots of things that are just similar you know similar kinds of issues but there's lots of things that are distinctive as well and so we need to see that if you have a child who has ADHD or autism or physical disabilities there are some particular challenges to that that are not part of uh, parenting when, when children don't have those kinds of challenges and it requires a specialist approach. And of course, sometimes those things overlap. So sometimes, you know, a biological parent with a, ch a child has special needs, or have adoptive parents with special needs, as, as Alan was talking about. Um, and ado adoptive kids, incidentally, have a much higher frequency of additional needs. Um, and that's because the risk factors are much higher. So there are biological risk factors for children that cause problems in life, things like premature birth or drug alcohol use in the womb. Um, and there's a much higher incidence of those things with kids who are in care. But there are also big relational risk factors with adopted kids. I'll, I'll just list them up for you. The age at which you're adopted. So the younger you are, generally, the easier it is. Um, that's often one of the reasons why people don't want to adopt children who are older. So often children get to a certain age and it, it becomes very, very difficult for them to be adopted. Uh, another risk factor is the number of foster homes they've been in or if they've been in an orphanage. Thirdly, the trauma that they've experienced. Fourthly, whether they've had any secure attachment experiences, and I'll talk about attachment in, in a second. So the higher those factors are, generally, the bigger the risk, the bigger the challenges uh, there are. Now, we're not talking about science here. It's not mathematics. Okay, there's exceptions, et cetera, et cetera. But, but those are the kind of risk factors. So what are the particular unique challenges of adoption? Well, I think you, you can zero in on a couple of things. The first and most significant thing is attachment difficulties. That's what's really unique in adoption. Adoption, uh, attachment is about a security relationship and a safety. It's a conviction that a child has that my parent is there for me, they love me, they keep me safe, they won't desert me, they won't hurt me. There's a basic issue of trust and trustworthiness. Now, actually, when you think about that, that is a very biblical concept. You see, we have, we've got massive attachment issues with God, haven't we? We don't trust him. We see him as our enemy. And attachment is a big problem for adopted kids. Now, of course, again, reminder, any child in any family, biological or adopted, could have issues with this. There are overlapping circles uh, in, in, in the diagram. But adopted kids tend to have a very high prevalence of attachment issues. Um, generally speaking, for fostered or adopted kids, their basic sense of security and safety has been fundamentally upended or even destroyed. So for, I, this came home to me. I was, I was reading uh, one psychologist who was talking about how if you had loving, kind parents who died when you were young, 
you are in a better position than adopted kids. Because you've had a secure attachment. You've had someone who's loved you and who's been kind to you. For many of our kids, life is like, it's like swimming in shark-infested waters. Now imagine what that feels like. You know, every, every time there's a bump or you hear a noise or a ripple in the water, you think, what's that? What's that? That's what life is like for many of these kids. And what you get on the surface with, with um, some, some of these kids is a fraction of the emotional turbulence, fear, and difficulties underneath. Their flight or fight system is, is constantly on alert. So last night, I, I'll share this with you, my son said to me, Daddy, have you locked all the doors? I said, yeah, that's fine, it's fine. Yeah, but are you sure that they're locked? Now, that's, not, that's not a normal thing for, for uh, the average child to ask. But it's the kind of thing my child would ask. And all these things, they have radical effects. They play out in whole loads of dysfunctional, relating dysfunctional behavior. And it affects how they relate in relationships, particularly affects how they relate when they're under stress. It affects their emotional stability, how they deal with change and unforeseeability. It interferes with development and emotional um, maturity. So it's, it's very hard to learn when your hair's on fire, isn't it? And that's what it's like for kids sometimes. Their hair's on fire. <laughs> it's very hard for them to learn and... It's difficult to learn to swim when you're in shark-infested waters. So I, um, I met our uh, foster carers uh, recently uh, who, who had our kids before. We met up with them, and, and they had two, two new uh, girls who were with them, or older. And these girls were very, they were very friendly, very charming. They came up to me, were chatting with me, very friendly. But after a while, they seemed a bit too friendly. And when you knew about their history, you understood why. And so the average adult would, would interpret that as being very friendly. But actually, the problem they had was massive boundary issues because of their previous experiences. And the reality is that many of the kids who get adopted have had to deal with things that 95% of the people in this room have never, ever had to face. And they have to live with their history and their experiences and process them. And we have to take that seriously. So attachment difficulties. Secondly, the demands on parents. The demands on parents. How children fare or do long-term has loads of different factors to it. Uh, their walk with Christ, their emotional resilience, their teachers, their school friends, their Christian friends, their church, the experiences they have. Loads of things that, that shape them and affect them. But obviously, high up there is the kind of parenting they get. And of course, biological parenting can go very wrong. But I think it's true to say that the window for parenting error in adoption is narrower. It's narrower than with biological kids. On the whole, biological kids can cope with a wider range of approaches, mistakes, and sins from their parents than adopted kids can. And so what that means is, if you are thinking about adopting, uh, it will require a high level of presence from you, a high level of investment, determination, resilience, and skill. The window for mistake tolerance is much narrower. It will require of you energy and, and resources. It will restrict your life and demand things of you unlike anything you have ever experienced. The pressure on your marriage and relationship will be, will be turned up. And our own attachment issues come out as well. You know, a child's rejecting you, doesn't want to hug you, pushes you away, hurts you. That's pretty, that's difficult to deal with. If you have a child who's on the autistic spectrum or is very self-sufficient, it can be very challenging. And so you will need strong spiritual foundations. And so I, I do a lot of my parenting, not with my kids, but on my knees with God. That's why I do a lot of my parenting. 
And, and, and you, you have to get those kind of foundations. You have to invest. You have to... A good mantra was uh, shared with me early on was uh, pay now or pay later. Pay now. You've got to invest. You've got to give of yourself to it. You have to get the training and skills, get support. Uh, you may well need external therapeutic help and support. You need your church community, need a supportive uh, uh, school around you. But you need that support. Now, we're going to get our next person uh, to come up and share. Jules is going to, is going to share about some of the things that are difficult, what's hard about adoption. Hello, so I'm Jules um, at CCM. About three years ago, Phil and I adopted a, a two and a three-year-old, just turning three and four. Um, I think adoption will be hard for people for different reasons. I think for me, the hardest thing I found is that I want a nice, comfortable, easy life. Phil and I, we didn't have kids. Uh, we led quite a nice, comfortable life. Yes, we were busy with church. We had lots of people over, did lots of things. But actually, it was nice and comfortable. Went on nice holidays. And then we have these two boys. We have two boys. They're now five and six, Alfie and Archie. Um, they moved in. And it was like being hit by a bus. And uh, for the first three months, I literally regretted it. What have we done? It was hard. Um, Alfie all sorts of behavioural issues because he's living with shame, he's living with fear, insecurity, and no self-regulation. And so, you know, I've built a career. 20, I'm a, te a deputy head teacher uh, working inner city state schools. I have kids from the gangs of South London. Yes, madam, no, madam. I come home to a four-year-old. No, no, no. Well, um, all sorts of behavioural issues will push boundaries. Um, he destroys Sunday school most weeks, probably destroyed uh, trailblazers this morning. Um, Phil and I have sat on those little teeny chairs in the headmistress's office at the primary school being told off ourselves. Um, he pushes boundaries. He wants to be in charge because he doesn't know who is in control. So he wants to be in control. Uh, he lies. He, um, he steals. He's brazenly selfish because who's going to meet his needs? And it's exhausting. It's exhausting living with that. Um, and then there's Archie, who is incredibly neglected as a baby and has huge attachment issues. Every night for the three years that he's lived with us, it's sleep with me, mummy, sleep with me, mummy, mummy, sleep with me. Um, I, he doesn't go to sleep till about nine o'clock. I put him in around seven, 7.30. Nine o'clock, I'm there in the stinky, sweaty bunk bed, still there because he does not let me go. He is scared that he'll be left. Um, and that's hard, hard. Like every night for three years, I have not been able to get out of that room till at least 9, 9.30. Uh, Phil and I have been out together three times in three years. Uh, we can't get babysitters very easily. I mean, lots of our church family offer, but because these boys are tough. You know, I have to bring my A game to them. Um, and it's hard because that time is me time. You know, I'm, I'm, I want my me time. I, I've got to do my work. I've got to, you know, get out of my work clothes. I've got to have a shower. I've got to sort myself out. I just want to, to chill. And yet Archie wants me there till about 9, 9.30. He then will wake up several times in the night. Uh, mummy, mummy, mummy. And I'll go in there and I'm like, what is it? Uh, that's, that's my therapeutic parenting. What is it? And uh, he'll be, fix my duvet. Uh, and I have to fix his duvet for him. Um... And so that is hard. That is hard because I'm tired. Uh, it brings out all sorts of sins that have been there. Anger, impatience, irritability, all sorts of things. Um, and, and so it, it is a challenge. And I have had to sort of reconcile myself to, well, do I want that small, mediocre, comfortable, easy life? 
or do I actually want to join God in this plan A that he's got for these boys? Um, they are, I do love them. I know it sounds like I don't. I do love them very, very much to the point where, you know, if we, Phil and I'd had our own biological children, we wouldn't have Alfie and Archie. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. But it is, it is a challenge and it's hard. And it's hard. I don't see my friends. I don't go to Bible study group. Um, we have... People come over, but Archie destroys that by shouting, I just want you to sleep with me from two floors up. I think when we do marriage prep, lots of couples leave actually questioning whether they should get married. Um, but it is that challenge of, of where's, where's, where's my idol? Do I want to join God in this plan for these two children and what he's doing there, an eternal thing? Or is it this sort of London comfort and ease that I'd quite like in terms of my nice middle-class lifestyle? And I tell you something, uh, Alfie said to Phil on the way to school a couple of months back, he said, uh, Dad, Phil, if we, if we were still living with Donna and Tony, that's the foster carers, we wouldn't know about Jesus. It's only because we live with you that we know about Jesus, which does sound like a parent brag. The other one, every Sunday tells us he hates God, hates church, came out of uh, Trailblazers this, this morning saying, I don't want to go back to that boring white tent. Um, but it is, I mean, it's, it's a privilege. And I have to remind myself of that eternal perspective when Alfie says, I wouldn't know about God if it wasn't for living here. And that's shaming of my... Uh, my my love of comfort, my love of ease, which is there. And, you know, you've got to call these sins out and expose them. But um, it, And that's the other thing, that God has been at work in, in just areas of sin in my life. That anger, that irritability, that impatience, that cruelty sometimes in terms of what I'm thinking or how I communicate, that's always been there. But these boys have brought it out, and, and that's a good thing. It's exposed. I can fight it. So... I don't regret adopting them. I mean, I did for about three months. It was, uh, I don't, I love them very much and it is worthwhile, but my sinful side of me that wants ease and wants comfort, it's a battle, it's an ongoing battle. And it's a battle of perspectives and in terms of what's my legacy and what am I living for? So um, after the first bit of my talk, you thought, yeah, this kind of dot's great. And you go, ooh, no, I'm not sure about it now. And, 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 what, what, I've wanted, what I've wanted to do is to inspire you, and I want to give you some realism. And, and, and the reality is, people's experiences of adoption are very, you know, because children are different, their experiences are different, the, the risk factors that I mentioned um, are different, so people have very different experiences. But we want, you to get, we want you to have a sense of what this may or may not involve, and what it might demand uh, uh, of you. It is a great thing and a hard thing. And the wonderful thing in the middle of it all, our great hope in the middle of it all, is that the living God is our shepherd. The fact is we don't have to do it on our own. We do it in and through God. And adoption is an opportunity to press into dependence upon God, to grow in faith, to grow in patience, to grow in hope. And we need that. Because do you know what? If you, if you adopt kids, what you need to do is you need to hold out hope for your kids that they don't have themselves. And you need to do that when it's hard. You need, to sustain, you need to sustain hope when everything they're doing is trashing it. You need to live in hope when you are knackered and drained and you feel like it's all over. We need to have the hope that the power of Christ is greater than the darkness that is in them. Here are some wise and encouraging words from Judy Lowe, and I commend it to you. They're on your um, handout. This goes for any parenting. When you can't figure out what to do, God will direct your path. When you feel alone, remember that God does not leave you. When you're exhausted from the fight, know that he will give you rest. 
When you feel you cannot cope, God says that he will supply all your needs. When it feels impossible, remember that nothing is impossible for the Lord. When you feel like giving up, know that his grace is sufficient. When you cannot believe that anything good can come from it, know that he is able to do beyond all we can, uh, all we can imagine. When you are afraid of what's ahead, he is with you. When you feel uncertain about what to do, he will give you wisdom. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you so much for your wonderful, loving adoption. You brought us in when we were lost and far off, when we were cut off, when we were going our own way, when we trashed your world and ignored you, when we were hurt and broken and fallen, lost in darkness, you came and brought us home into your family. And Father, we pray that you would give us a vision for this ministry, whatever that means for each one of us. Pray you give us a vision for the orphans in distress. Give us a vision for the kids, those 10,000 kids in London who are in care. And show us, Father, what you want us to do. In the name of Christ, amen. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you were challenged and encouraged by it. And stay tuned as we continue to share talks from our time away together as a network. See you next time.